Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Subscribe on iTunes at Toddcast Podcast. Hey, Todd, can you hear me? Yeah, man. Right on. Neil, thank you for doing this. Of course. I'm sorry it took so long to get my act together. Oh, not at all, man. Are you kidding me? I, I, in fact, I forgot that you'd said yes, and I was like, fuck, I'd still got to... And then I look in the in the, in the the DMs and t- in Twitter, and I was like, fuck, the guy actually sent me the email. All right, here we go then. Uh, man, I've been a fan for uh, so long, so I'm, I'm wondering, like, where do I even start with you? Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to maybe go back to the beginning. I want to go back to like, you know, the, the Fallon house, man, as a kid, like, what are you, what are you, what are you listening to? What are your parents playing to kind of get you down this road? Uh, Well, I think in a lot of ways, my earliest memories were one inheriting my dad's 45 collection. Yeah. Which was a lot of, you know, novelty songs like, you know, monster mash and purple people eater and, Splish splash and the weirdest shit got played on the radio right back in the day. Like, yeah, it was it was pretty bizarre. And I've as I've gotten older, I've, I hear people say like, "Oh man, music's gotten real terrible." I wish it would go back to the way it used to. And yeah, what do you want to hear, Mister Postman? Yeah, there's plenty of garbage from the 1950s and 60s. That terrible shit. Forty fives. Yeah. So that was my very first memory, and then. Remember listening to a lot of Dylan, Fleetwood Mac, uh, Amy Lou Harris. Uh, if uh, a woman with long dark hair and acoustic guitar, my dad was a sucker for. Yeah, I ended up listening to a lot of that too. Uh, Beatles, of course, Gordon Lightfoot, uh, all the kind of classic folk rock crossover jams. Yeah, my my mom likes to remind me that I used to throw the forty fives at my older brother. Yeah. <laughs> smashing the shit yeah. out of all these classics you know um did you get into like the the disco stuff too as a kid like were they playing like abba and like donna oh, summers oh. and all that kind of shit that's a abba like mainstream disco i don't think my parents ever set foot in a real disco yeah but they listened to the stuff they heard on the radio like abba um and of course there was like saturday night fiedler and yes uh, I remember listening to the star wars soundtrack quite a bit a lot of uh, musical soundtracks. Well, my little sister was into musicals. I always despised them. Yeah, same. I was never a fan. Always a fan of music, though. Like, there, you know, music for me has always been in my life. I play drums. I can, I can butcher a classic, like you know, the with the best of them. But I never did go down that road, like you know, like you guys have done. And you seem like a very like every interview I've ever seen of you guys. You seem like fucking super down to earth guys. Every show I've ever seen of you guys, like I saw that uh, when you guys were touring with uh, Mastodon a couple, three years back, mm-hmm. and uh, you played the Commodore Ballroom here in Vancouver, and it was, man, like something about your band, dude. Like, what is it about your band? How much are you guys playing together that you're that tight? Well, well thank you for saying that. I, It's it's always hard to talk about because I've never seen Clutch in the capacity that you have. Right. I was a fan and yeah, I mean, it's totally different, right? You, you can see live shows, but it's not the same, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I love going to see other bands and it's always like a, it's such a surreal experience, like being 
you know, looking at the stage instead of out from the stage. And it's a, it's a great exercise to do. Uh, I think any musicians that play together for a long time, it, there are such very subtle cues of music or body language that it almost approaches, you know, psychic, you know, abilities. That's not to say there haven't been train wrecks. Those do happen. <laughs> yeah, but you, you gotta have some train wrecks to get to the gold, right? Yeah. That if you're, yes. Or, you know, maybe wake you up that you were daydreaming or getting too comfortable. Yeah. To this day, I get nervous before going on stage. And I think that's really? a thing. Because if, if you're yawning or kind of loathing it, then maybe you should think about something else. <laughs> Probably, yeah. What What are some of the bands that you've uh, seen over the years that you're just like, man, these guys are untouchable? I think it took me a long time to realize how fortunate myself and the band were growing up in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., because I, my only, my, my very first introduction to local music was the Bad Brains and Fugazi. Right. And to me, that was like, okay, well, this is like every town has got Bad Brains and Fugazi, right? And that's oh. not the case. And I saw Bad Brains kind of, I think it was at the very, it was right before they did Quickness um, at, at the old 930 Club. It was just a small cap room, was I think 550. And that set the bar so high at the beginning, it's been hard to live up to that. Um, I'm trying to think of more. more uh, yeah, I mean, there's nothing like seeing a band like that caliber in a smaller room, right? Like something about big bands, small venues. Yeah, and they were, they were so intense. The intensity was such that I, I think that's when I realized that there are moments when you see a band and there's a synchronicity between the band and the audience that almost creates a bit of a religious experience. You, totally. you, there's like the, a timelessness when you're in there, you think this is the only place you've ever been. And then you walk out and it's like, it was over in the blink of an eye. And it's it. It's a big, uh, it's a big come down, you know, afterwards, you know, you wake up and you, your ears are ringing and your neck hurts and you, you want, you want it again. And I think a lot of people that see live music is because of shows like that. Oh, totally. And do you think that we'll ever go back to the style that it was like when you and I were kids? I would imagine you're probably a little bit older, but probably not by much. Like, do you think it'll ever go back to that? Like looking at the album covers, you know, uh, something about, you know, waiting for Spin Magazine and Rolling Stone. And there was a bit of a, I don't know, it was a bit of an art to it. And it kind of just seems lost lately. It is it's a bit of an embarrassment of riches. It's like a, it, the internet in, in all its, you know, ugliness and, and wonder is great. I've discovered all sorts of music because of it, but I would not want to be a band trying to, get my head above that water because there's just so much out there. Yeah. I, I do think, you know, rock and roll or heavy metal these days compared to stuff like dance music or hip hop, you know, they, it's tiny. Um, and that's okay. Well, it's because it's safe, safe for programmers in radio and satellites and, and all that shit. And it takes, it takes longer to do that. It's easy to turn out. I could probably, if you want it in the next two hours, turn out a dance tune. Right. It's not that difficult. Um, but I think 
all these, you know, baubles of technology, whether it be, you know, streaming or you know, Spotify, MP3s. At the end of the day, we're not that different from our ancestors who loved listening to someone bang on a log. <laughs> and kids, maybe they'll probably, you know, most trends swing, you know, you go all the way to like, okay, here's, here's your silent rave that you can only get in through an NFT. And this is so extreme and new. And then everyone's going to go like, eh, let's look over here for a minute and see what our grandfathers were doing. Why would I want to go into a basement of a house and listen to my friends play? And then it'll come back. And I don't really think it's going anywhere because it satisfies a human desire. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, you hear every, every once in a while, you'll hear, you know, people chirping about how rock is dead and it's going, you know, to the wayside. It's like, no, it's not. It's not fucking going anywhere. Rock's not dead. There are thousands of kids right now in garages banging away who many of them we will never hear about, but we'll hear about some of them. And you know, I hear about these bands from, you know, like the who, not the who for like from England, but the who, the, the metal band. Yeah from uh i believe they're from mongolia I, I could be wrong but you know a place you wouldn't expect right so if it's that global and that that you know has that much longevity i don't really see any reason to panic usually press will say things like rock is dead and then that's only a setup for them to promote a band and say so and so has saved rock and roll right exactly it never needed to be it safe did you what did you think of uh royal blood when they first came out do you, you know that band because that was one of the ones where jimmy page had said like you know this band is basically saving rock and roll it was about 10 years back when they came out um i only got introduced to them in the past few months okay uh i don't know why maybe it's because i have my my head under the ground for various reasons but right uh so i can't really i've only heard a handful of songs that's not yeah. to say that i'm disinterested but interesting, my, I guess my point was, is like Jimmy Page said that, like, it's not just some random person saying like, these guys are reviving rock. It's Jimmy Page, man, said that. You know, there's metal's always been around or rock and roll's always been around. It's, um, I don't know, maybe it's the older you get, the harder it is to like, you know, go out every weekend, maybe. I don't know. Uh, yes. <laughs> Yes, back to that pain of the, you know, man, the neck sore and all that shit. Like, it just gets worse and worse as you get older. Yeah, and it's also, sometimes it's just the sad fact this might be laziness, you know, speaking for myself. But yeah, it's um, it it's not dead. It's never, I'm sure there's no. times where it might have been a little ill, but who among us haven't, hasn't been ill. Right. What was your first concert? Um. Well, it's, it depends what you want to classify as concert. I remember when I lived in Washington State, uh, there was a big hit. I think it was in 1979 by an artist named Juice Newton. Oh, yeah. Just uh, call me angel of the morning. She did that playing with the Queen of Hearts. <laughs> That's right. Knowing and again and smart. Da -da 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 -da. Yeah, my mom played that a lot. Now, my dad took me to see that at a high school auditorium. Okay. Well, have been Wembley, you know, Wembley in yeah. my childhood mind. Yeah, that was the first concert, and then uh, as far as I couldn't tell you what first like punk rock or hardcore show I saw because there was suddenly when I was able to go off on my own, I saw them every weekend. 
uh, the first stadium show I ever saw was U2. Yeah. Which was pretty great. I was a huge U2 fan back in the 80s. Um, and uh, those, are the first, those are the immediate ones that come to mind. Yeah. What are you watching? We're, you know, over the last year, we've had a lot of downtime. What are you binge watching lately? I, that's the thing. I haven't. Oh, really? Usually, you know, when the kid goes to sleep, yeah. I'm like, okay, I've got probably about another hour before I'm, you know, sawing logs. What am I going to do? And <laughs> I, um, I mean, I'm trying to think, what, what did we start watching? Um, well, the, uh, I started watching the Q documentary and I kind of felt like it was giving me a brain cramp. So I stopped watching that. The Q documentary, the um, into the it's a HBO thing into the storm. Okay, it's not the kind of thing you want to watch, but when you're trying to relax, <laughs> yeah, it's a documentary. Uh, I like docs, though. BBC stuff is amazing. Yeah, BBC is great. You know, and I, I kind of feel like they're a neutral party, and in, in maybe not completely, but more so than a lot of American media. Yeah, totally feels that way too. Yeah, I listen to that as a news source because it doesn't want me to like punch a wall. Yeah. <laughs> Relaxing about the BBC host, no matter yeah. who are that is a bit calming as were your little brother above, you know, we're watching the States going like, Oh my God, what is happening down there, man? We're, we're a young country. I hope this is maybe just like, like puberty. It's, it's like the, the terrible twos <laughs> puberty. Exactly. Twos. <laughs> And it's not the terrible twos. Fuck that. Whoever said terrible twos has never had a kid. It's the terrible threes, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there was also, as my wife used to say, now we're into the fuck you fours. <laughs> That's totally it. You know, I read an interview with uh, John Paul maybe about two, three weeks ago, and he was saying that you guys are going to be going into the studio uh, in the fall. Is that still happening? That's the plan. Cool. We're trying to record here locally. Uh, we're in the, it's hard to even talk much about it because we're so, it's in its infancy. Yeah. We're writing a bunch of riffs. I'm pulling my hair out trying to come up with new angles to, a, you know, fresh angles you know, lyrically or melodically or what have you. Yeah. We get together two or three times a week. Prior to this, I mean, to be honest, last year, I was not in a very creative mood. I think a lot of times people, are expecting there's going to be things from artists, this watershed of creativity. And I'm sure for some, there will be. Me, totally. I can, but I, I mean, dude, like there, it's got to be both sides too. Like I've, I've seen some bands and, you know, I can't remember the band's names right now, but I've seen some bands on social media, like say the complete opposite of like, don't know about you, but this pandemic has made it. So I don't even want to fucking go on stage anymore. I don't want to write anything. I've lost my creativity. Does anybody else feel this? Like just because you have all this time doesn't mean shit. Yeah. And it's harder when this, you know, it'd be, I guess one thing, if you are a solo artist, but when it requires, you know, four people and go meeting somewhere and then going back to their families, you know, logistically that creates problems on even the best of days. And we kind of concentrated on our uh, Doom Saloon, you know, virtual concerts, which we did three of. Yeah, which those are cool. Gave us something to do and just practice. Just because if we had been sitting around this past year, all our skills and muscles and 
what atrophied. Yeah. yeah. I think it was a good exercise, but now we kind of got the itch. We know this time next year, hopefully a new album will be out and we'll be touring properly in proper clubs and theaters or wherever festivals. Right. Um, I think a lot of my reluctance to kind of be creative or maybe one of the reasons was, was just, I did not want to write a, an album that would constantly remind me of what was a shitty year. Uh, pretty shitty year yeah, for everybody. No, yeah. Not I'm not trying what al- what album is this? How many, how many you, you, you're in deep. I want to say it's either 13 or 14. That's lots, man. As far as like full length LPs. I mean, there's been yeah. all live things and, you know, s- smaller releases. Yeah. But that's, I think it's 13 or 14. It's amazing, man. That's amazing. Yeah, um, as you might as you might imagine, Neil, when I mentioned you're going to be a guest, there's a bunch of clutch fan questions from uh, social media. I kind of want to rip through some of these. I think some of you won't be able to answer. To be completely honest, like Brad wants to know, he goes tour plans, please. I yeah. saw them with the Sounds of the Underground with bands like Strapping Young Lad, fucking Devin Townsend, great guy, uh, Opeth, uh, Lamb of God. They're clean, non-triggered drum sounds separated them from the rest of the bands. Damn good band. So when are they touring? Like how? Uh, how, how how can you plan that in a pandemic? Well, you can't. Uh, and here's here's what's happening now. And um, I'm really, it's um, what happens is be, be to there's bands and booking agents and promoters, and it's a game of who blinks first, and it all has to do with insurance companies when you're particularly when you're talking about festivals because festivals need to be insured. So no one wants to say, okay, let's book these bands and get this festival site and put all this money into it. And then a month before this happens, the local municipality says no. Right. So it's a little dicey. I know things like Bonnaroo are booking. Well, that just got announced with like Foo Fighters and Deftones and Tame Impala and a bunch of rad bands. It looks great. And that's great. And I think they're kind of being the voluntary guinea pig for this in a lot of ways. Wow. We are looking to do our Christmas run. Yeah. And hopefully if we'll, what we'd really like to do, and this has always worked out the best is before we record, go out on the road and do a couple quick legs where we go through the new material over and over again. Right. Which is fucking rad, dude, by the way. Oh, thanks. It's like, it's, that's so cool that bands do that. Cause not many bands, let's be honest, not many bands do that. They don't go like, here's a bunch of new shit you've never heard. Not many bands do that. I think that's super cool, man. Fans dig it. And it's also, it has its practical purposes because one, we got, we don't have to think about it when we hit record, we can be in the studio a shorter amount of time. Yeah. And it also gives you a chance to see like, what's the audience doing with this song? I find songs that we wrote in the studio uh, compared to songs that we wrote and played on the road. Don't aren't as good. Really? When we play a song out on the road, there'd be like that happy accident where you, you played the note here instead of there, or I sang this over up here and not there. It's like, well, that's a better way. Right. When you have the, when you have the, the luxury of the studio, you can always say, well, let me do it again. Right. Pro tools, baby. Let's just do it one more time. The crowd doesn't let you do that. No. And that's a good thing. Yeah. I love uh, <laughs> Matt's tongue and cheek here. Approximately how many Jesuses are on his dashboard? <laughs> mine <laughs> yes um actually there's nothing on my dashboard um 
it's actually starting to fall apart. I need to get a new car, but um, zero is the, is the word answer. I told, Sorry. I told him I'd ask. Uh, this is an interesting question. He goes, uh, Shane goes, which clutch song have they played the most live? That would probably at this point have to be electric worry. Yeah. We, um, I mean, that's the closest thing we've ever had to a hit and we don't feel obligated to it. But the thing is a lot of fans want to hear it. And I know there's clutch super fans who are like, God, here we're going to go again with electric worry. Yeah. Yeah. And there's that, there's that 15 year old kid. This is his first clutch concert. And that's what he really wants to hear. So we, we remind ourselves there's another 16, 17 songs that weren't that one. Um, but you know, if that's, if that's like a chore, that's a good chore to have is playing a four minute rock song every night, you know, yeah. week after week after week. Yeah. How many times we played it? I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Hundreds, thousands, maybe probably thousands, thousands. Yeah. It's funny. Dave goes, uh, ask him for an on air uncut electric worry chorus. Like, I don't know. He wants me to fucking get you to sing it. That's not happening, Dave or anything from elephant riders. Another awesome album from you guys. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, that's not happening, Dave. Yeah, no, I'm not asking for that anyway. Uh, Matthew goes, hell yeah. Blast Tyrant is in the top albums of, of all time for me. Wow. Yeah. What do you think of, and maybe you guys have already done this before, but what do you think of the, when bands go out and they'll play like records in their entirety? Uh, it's cool. I mean, we, we've done that. We, that was actually the last show we did was in its entirety uh new year's eve in philadelphia before uh, the pandemic yeah that oh, was okay. uh, i guess december 31st of you know yeah. and, and how did you decide on blast tyrant which is probably one of my favorites from you guys oh uh, we knew uh we knew the anniversary of it was coming up um oh. effort or we also and you know actually that's not true that they, it, we because it's a fan favorite and yeah it seemed also like it's a good song that we've we had more or less played every song live in some iteration except for ghost uh which i we had to learn which was the only <laughs> that's fuck, that's hilarious man when i talk to bands and they're like yeah no I, we hadn't played that song for so long we actually had to go back and relearn our music oh yeah that's a real thing yeah man that's and crazy exercise you get back into it's almost like a diary entry like why why did i say this why did we put in this part here this many times and it, it kind of reminds me of the ad is like if you you don't if you don't know where you've been you don't know where you're going so yeah. i don't care for nostalgia but at the same time it's good to do a little self-examination yeah totally kyle wants to know who's the most famous person you've met mm, well let's see i've met probably dave grohl well, I mean, he's, I mean, he's pretty, he's famous, man. He's, famous. he's worldwide. Very down to earth. I wonder what it is about Dave. Like it's almost everybody says the same thing. Like, is he just that fucking cool? I, he's very relaxed, you know? And I remember it's just as an anecdote, unsolicited anecdote. I, we had a mutual, we have a mutual friend and we went out to dinner with a bunch of other people at a Maryland crab house uh, outside on a river and, we're sitting there eating about halfway through the meal. You got to mind this crab. When you're eating crabs, you've just got guts <laughs> and 
flies. It's you got you know, the, the bib on and shit. No bibs, no bibs. <laughs> and someone recognized him. And the next thing you know, it's just like a line of people. He has to go to the bathroom. It takes him maybe 45 minutes just to get there. And I say to our mutual friend, how does he tolerate this? And my friend, he's like, well, the minute this stops is the day I worry. You know, it was, he saw it as like, wow, this is, I'm, the glass is not only half full, it's overflowing and to be grateful for it. And he's, um, I, I've seen the other, other approach where it's just, ah, get away from me. Right. Maybe he'd be different if he were sitting down with his family. Yeah, possibly. I, I certainly would be if, if it were too much, but yeah, I think I, the, I think an average person like me, or people that are listening to this podcast, I think an average person can't even wrap their head around even minor fame. It's a weird, you know, fame is a, a thing that's clutch is not, that wasn't one of the things we were thinking. We just wanted to have fun. Right. And I wonder, it's like people that are of such a stature, like your Bruce Springsteen's or your Paul McCartney's like when you lose your anonymity, it's gone forever. Yeah. It's, and it's a good thing to have because you next thing you know, you're at, you have assistance to do everything that you used to do because you just simply can't do it or you don't feel comfortable or. Um, yeah. Like imagine, you know, any huge Hollywood star going to get groceries. Yeah. And some, I'm, I'm sure like some, what a nightmare. Some of them I'm sure enjoy it. Um, but uh, that's weird to me. It's like sometimes there's been occasions where I've been someplace like Home Depot or wherever, yeah. working, you know, PVC piping. And then some guy say, Hey, are you Holy crap? <laughs> very jarring. You know, like you're suddenly yeah. like, wait, would, if, am I being watched? It's yeah. rare for me. We're talking about clutch, not, you know, the E street band. <laughs> exactly. Mark goes, yeah, get them to talk about aliens and cars. Okay. We can do that. All right. Um, <laughs> Do, do you believe aliens uh, live among us? Among us? Um, sometimes I think octopus or, or octopi are alien, but then again, I'm not a marine biologist. Very yeah. smart. Yeah, incredibly smart and unique. But I'll say this as a blanket statement. I think it would be very arrogant for us to assume that in the vast, endless uh expanse of the universe that we're the only ones right and probably can't rec we may not even recognize it if we if we're standing right in front of us or may perhaps we're incapable because of the way our brain and bio biology or what have you i certainly think um it's possible just because you see something in the sky does that you can, doesn't understand doesn't mean it's a spaceship but mm. i'm always looking up waiting and hoping for that time but yeah same you know I, i've seen those videos where you know it'll be like a newscaster say or whatever and they're doing their report live on the scene somewhere or whatever and then they catch that the the subtle eye change like you notice the eye change right here where look you know, reptilian eyes and all that and it's like eh, i'm not sure about that but yeah, that, that's like that's the internet rabbit hole it's like i've sadly oh, yeah. i now anytime i go online i have to tell myself most likely what you're about to see is a lie. Yeah, uh, man. Online's a slippery slope, man. doesn't matter what it is. 
it's it's kind of it's kind of a bummer where it's i remember the early 90s like wow the internet it's like we're all going to be able to say whatever we want to whoever we want and exchange information who knew that there were so many liars among us yeah. <laughs> yes exactly feeding your bullshit over and over and cars let's get to cars then i'm oh, not a huge i'm not a huge car guy myself but my older brother was into a big time had a bunch of really cool cars as a kid uh he had a had a beaumont beaumont uh, which was awesome. A 68 Beaumont, I think it was. Wow. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a car guy. I don't have any cool cars. Oh, you don't. That's why they end up in songs. Right. It's lots just, of songs, lots of alien talk, a lot of car talk. I, well, you know, I would love to see a flying saucer. That's why they end up in songs. I haven't yet. And yeah. I would love to have a Barracuda. Don't have one. Maybe I'll put that in a song in lieu of that. It's, Rock and roll is always the lyrics has been the fun part for me is like the escapism. Right. Especially in heavy metal growing up, listening to albums and looking at the album art. And you kind of felt like suddenly you were inside the D and D module. Did you get into D and D? Oh yeah. I actually had a conversation with that with my son this morning. Um, Cause he's super into anime and he had this, this shirt that he wanted to, that he got for Christmas. He didn't want to wear it outside today and i asked him why and he said because you know kids that are into anime get made fun of and i was like dude don't do this to yourself because when i was your age at the same grade i was super in the D and then i was going to go to middle school and i totally like stopped because i knew i was going to get brutalized back in whatever it was 83 and i regret that i stuck i should have stuck to my D and guns then yeah the video games happened and then you could do it privately and anonymously which was cool but at the same time it's just like live music is something to be said about getting around a table with dice and having yeah. experience that'll never be replicated oh dude I, it, it was like a weekly thing you know go to a buddy's place yeah he's rocking the dungeon master you know you're the cleric you're the druid you're the ranger you're the weather the wizard or whatever the fuck it was like that was an escape as of 10 to 14 year old kid for me same here and i <laughs> yeah felt it felt so edgy back then because there was that element that the same parents that were like heavy metal is going to lead you to a path of darkness <laughs> D is going to do it too and if you combine the two then it, you're sure sure fire going to hell yeah you're going to hell like it, it was just such a weird time too like think of d schneider twisted sister having to get in front of you know, the Congress or whatever the hell that was that he, you know, where he's basically like, you guys are on crack, just, you know, let us do our music basically and free rights and everything else. It was amazing that it came to that point. It was Tipper Gore, I think, was the one that was kind of the antithesis of, of that? It was, yeah, it was the PMRC, the Parents Musical Resource Committee or something like that. Yeah. And I remember hearing about it as a kid and i don't recollect seeing that at that time but i've recently re-watched that in the yeah, last same and he comes in there kind of looking he's got his heavy metal t-shirt on and his big hair and is like uh-oh what's gonna and he just wrecks him oh yeah destroys just them very eloquent reasoned precise speech yeah zappa same and kind of but much more like stern and he, uh, I think that's, you think of the eighties in some ways weren't that different than the fifties. Right. States. 
you know, it's weird to think that, uh, you know, kids today, when they think back to the nineties, that was like us in the nineties thinking back to the sixties easily. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> my, uh, my son asked me about my great, my great grand or his, our, his grandparents. And this was a couple of years ago. He asked me if every, when was everything in black and white? Like when did things become color? Yeah, all he saw footage of, like from the 1940s and 30s, were was in black and white. So it was this concept of looking at it like, and he figured it out very quick, like, oh, like it was the technology. Yeah, but you could apply that same reasoning to a lot. You know, it's uh, what was life like before the internet? It was fine, son. It was awesome. Today he was outside with his magnifying glass, starting putting leaves on fire. I was like, "Yes, thank you. This is what it's <laughs> Don't burn down the house." Yeah, I, I would probably, you know, if it wasn't for this podcast, I probably wouldn't even be on social media. Yeah, I, usually about once a week, I'm like, I'm deleting my accounts. This is garbage. Yeah, but at the same time, I, I learned some cool things from cool people. Yeah. I can communicate to them. It's I've since learned to shut off the noisemakers yeah and the, the toxic yeah there's there's a lot of that shit yeah uh neil thank you again for for doing this i'll, I'll ask you a few more questions and i'll uh I'll, we'll wrap it up here um justin wants to know but he goes yeah ask him about that song he did with the fans kid and how that came about dude that was awesome man how right. cool is that yeah that actually is that's a good segue because i was just about to dump all my social media accounts like, man, why am I doing this? And then someone tagged me on this father, son covering clutch. I was, I think it was on Instagram or Twitter. And it's like, wow, that one, it's cool because obviously rock isn't dead because this is going on. And this kid's a great player. And I communicated with Nate Bergman from lion eyes. And originally all I was going to do was overdub some vocals on a cover and communicated to, uh, the dad Adam and he's like well we my son has uh, Tyler has original music you're and, like oh here we go yeah I did I was like whoops every good every you know yeah good yeah, yeah. <laughs> so but it was great <laughs> and it kind of reinstilled not only uh, my faith in you know rock and roll not that I had lost it but it was good to see it in real life in action it, well, first of all it's flattering that anyone covers you but when it's an experience for a father and son to bond in a time that where there's so little physicality, it was really cool. Yeah. Very cool, man. Like the whole story. And then, uh, you know, just the, the, the song was actually good yeah. as a fan of clutch. I was surprised. Yeah, me too. It's, it's a good, solid meaty riff. Yeah. And it was I really good. Hear yeah. That song. Yeah. Have you ever had a, a near death experience? Or not maybe an experience, but like a story where like, holy crap, I could have died there. Oh, plenty of times. I mean, on the road, I could, we could go on for another hour with stories about near accidents that I shouldn't be here. Yeah. Dr driving anytime in Canada in, in the wintertime. <laughs> One of the most, well, yeah, I remember driving in your neck of the woods. I wasn't driving. We were on a tour bus. Yeah. And we were coming up an incline through the Rockies. And some guy in a, like one of those brat Subaru brats from the 1980s tried to take us 
like pass us on the left. And I watched that car just go right over the side of the mountain. And I went up to the bus driver and I said, we got to stop. He said, no, we can't stop. Cause if we stop, we're going to we'll get going again. You know? Yeah. And so he, he, you know, contacted who he could, but you see stuff like that. And we've also experienced stuff with us that, you know, very, very, very close to perishing. Um, which is always a very humbling experience because it's easy to take these things for granted constantly. Yeah. You're almost rolling the dice with the job that you do. Yeah. It's um, traveling in any capacity is dangerous. Uh, so that's why we try to like minimum, you know, when we're super young, you don't know anything, you feel invincible and you're, you're willing to take risks. And, but now we try to exclude anything that would interfere with the show whether it be personal behavior, people we don't know, uh, things that happen after the show. It, if it doesn't affect the show the next day, great, go ahead. Mm -hmm. If there's a tornado warning and we have to stop and miss the show, then you know, we'll do it. <laughs> we, um, you know, we've experienced that, weather things, you know, electrocution, you name it. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's crazy. And the toughest I'll ask you, I think, is just simply because there's probably so many moments, but what, can you nail it down to one career highlight? Um, it's hard to say one. Uh, since you brought up Mastodon earlier, they, they br it brings up one in particular. Mastodon and ourselves toured quite a bit they opened for us many, many times and then they got really big. And then we did a couple tours together where we were co-headline and then they got even bigger and they're doing these huge festivals and we always remain friends. And, you know, it was great to see these guys take off the way they did. We love the music. We love them as people. Mm -hmm. So when we, and it, we used to do, we did a van tour back in the day, tiny, tiny clubs were both in vans, completely strung out from no sleep. A few years back, we, we both Mastodon and Clutch played at Red Rocks. And there was a moment where I just kind of sat back and I looked at that sea of people in Red Rocks. I was like, wow, this is unexpected. And it was that moment where like, I felt like if I could bottle it up and take it with me, I could live with that for the rest of my days. And thankfully, that, that didn't have to. But we can say that about that particular show that, you know, seven, 8,000 people showed up to see these two, you know, knuckle dragging hard rock bands. <laughs> totally. That's great, man. What a career dude. And you keep going, which is, oh, you yeah. know, as a, as a big fan of your band, man, it's exciting to, to hear that uh, there's forward momentum. Still, there's still a drive to, you know, be a better band. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to hearing that next album. Me too. You know, that's uh the creative life and, and creating things. And if you can entertain people on the way, I mean, I couldn't ask for more. This yeah. is great. And it'll continue to be great. Yeah. Awesome. Neil, thank you again for taking some time here for the Toddcast in, uh, in Vancouver, Canada. You're easy to find online. Your band is simply at clutch official on Twitter. Mm -hmm. A simple search of clutch, of course, on, uh, on Facebook will find you NP Fallon for your personal on Twitter. Are you on Instagram? Yep. Same thing. NP same Fallon. thing. Okay. Awesome. Okay, man. Well, thanks again for doing this and uh, we will see you online. Cheers. The Toddcast Podcast on ToddHancock.ca.
Attention, fans of fairy tales that are magical, hilarious, and grim. The award-winning Pinna original podcast Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest has new episodes out now. While you've probably heard of the Brothers Grimm, you've never heard these tales told in quite this way. I'm Adam Gidwitz, best-selling and Newbery Honor author of Books for Children, and in Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, I share the real, weird, grim fairy tales with real, weird, hilarious kids. In each episode, you not only get to hear a story, but you also get to enjoy this group guessing what'll happen next, cracking jokes, and sharing their own perspectives on the tales. Also, heckling me. They love to heckle me. The episodes are rated on a scale from grim to grimmer to grimmest, so there's always a great variety of tales to explore with your family. You can listen to Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest now wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to follow the show so you don't miss new episodes. <laughs>